John and Jennifer, come on up. I want to be able to pray over these guys. Um, it's been about a year, give or take a little bit, that John came on board on staff and uh, is uh, ministering alongside. Uh, and um, uh, there's a process that we have through our denomination, Foursquare, called Polity. And it doesn't take a year, but uh, we weren't in a ma massive hurry anyway since he was already here. And that is where you're kind of officially recognized through the denomination as a pastor. And so Jonathan's gone through all of that process, the polity process. And, um, and we just thought it would be good to kind of bring him up front. And, um, uh, and you know, we've already we prayed over, the, over he and Jennifer a, a while ago. But we want to do it again. And also just to let you know that, um, you know, it's sort of official now through Foursquare that uh, Jonathan is. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, you know, there's not too many, not too many pastors you could call Pastor Lord. You know, <laughs> Pastor Lord. Yeah. So, not too many. Yeah. So, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's all let's stand up and let's all pray. Honey, if you want a microphone, you want to say anything as well. Well, great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much for this day, Lord, that we can join together in celebration and thanksgiving um, to you for your good work that you've begun in, in um, Pastor Jonathan and Jennifer, Lord. And God, we're so uh, grateful to be a part of it. God, we just want to pray. Lord, your blessings upon them, God. We thank you for them, Lord. Um, God, we pray that, um, Lord, that these two um, would bear much fruit in this calling that you've called them to, Lord. God, we pray that, um, um, although this is just a piece of paper, Lord, we know that you have this calling on Jonathan uh, before you even before we even knew him right. and um and so lord we just um thank you for being a part of this process that you have in them lord would you bless them would you encourage them would you strengthen them um, by the power of your might by the power of your holy spirit god and lord we just um thank you god that as you've begun this good work you will be faithful to complete it lord we're excited to see the things that you have for them and to see them continue to um um, just step up in the things that you've called them to, Lord. And so, God, would you just give them that, um, all that they need, Lord. We just pray your wisdom, um, Lord, your knowledge, and, um, Lord, mostly just by your Holy Spirit, you would continue just to draw them in closer and closer. And so we love them. We bless them in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 You see that mic, hon? Let me see that. Thank you. God bless you. Um, it might have been about about eight years ago that that I first met Jonathan on a Sunday when uh, he was um, he had just come and visited our church and maybe eight or nine years ago and I just I was standing behind him and I we just I said hey brother can I pray for you and I mean man how, how time flies that that's pretty cool pretty cool so we're blessed by that we're blessed and uh, it's just the beginning it's just the beginning of 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 what the Lord is 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 doing. And 
course, it is in the beginning because it's already been in process, right? So if you have a word for them, something you'd like to share, don't feel like, man, I have this scripture verse burning on my heart. Boy, you know what? Share it with them, okay? Absolutely do that. Um, so that's very cool. Also, I wanted to let you know that we have, um, if you, you should have already received the insert in your bulletin. Um, I mentioned to you last week about a survival guide that uh, one of our members, Susan Corey, put together, and I thought that was very cool. Your assignment was to put together your top scriptures uh, that you were going to sort of cling to and, and begin to memorize, and um, uh, when times are difficult and hard, uh, we called her survival guy. She called her survival guy. I thought it was a cool name, and so that's a sample of one. Feel free to use those scriptures if God lays that on your heart. These are things that, uh, you know, um, I'll give a sports analogy. Can I give a sports analogy? Okay, not so sure, huh? All right. Uh, one of the games yesterday, uh, I think it was, um, oh, I forget who it was, but uh, uh, they, they ran this play, and it was, it was a play that they had never run all year long, but they had saved it for, it was New England, that's what it was. It was, it was for one specific moment, and, um, uh, you know, the, the halfback ran like he was going to run, then he turned around because he was a quarterback in, in college and threw this pass to a guy who was wide open, and it was like, they've been working on that all year for one time, one time. And uh, are you guys tracking with me at all? Did anybody see that? You all are like, yeah, okay, maybe just not New England fans. Huh? I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, I don't even remember why I was going to share that. It had something to do with, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. That, that, was, that was a good time for her to step up so I could transition off of that. Sorry. Sorry. Appreciate that, brother. Appreciate that. I, I I saw the play too, and I um. And I did see Seattle play as well, and I'm just so sorry because I think she, I don't I don't think anybody can beat Seattle, but that's just my opinion. I'll get off of that too real quickly. Survival guide, scripture verses that you need, in the, for time, uh, 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 for for things that when 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 things are calm and relatively peaceful. And you can write out these things so that when things get rocky and turbulent, you can remind yourself of God's promises. That's what that is. That's what it may not ha have any link at all to that other thing, but that's what that is. So we're blessed. Oh, we're blessed. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, speak by your Holy Spirit and give us the words. Uh, give, give me the words. Give us... Um, um, uh, Lord, we, wanna, we, we don't want to be spectators, Lord, in this, this thing called Christianity. We, we don't want to be on the bench. Uh, we we want to be in the game. We want to be active. We don't. We don't. We, we want uh, all that you have for us. And so, God, we just ask by your Spirit that you would lead us and guide us in this time in your Word, and that this would be sort of just the um, uh, a time where, um, as as a body, we come together. Uh, that we have been with you all week long, twenty four seven, and now as a, as a family we come together. And so, speak. And give us, uh, give us that word that you have for us. We're grateful in advance for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Um, so uh, you can turn to your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. There was a recent Wall Street Journal article that was quoted in the commentary that comes out by a man named Bill Muhlenberg. And he writes on contemporary issues. And in this particular article, he was writing about the status of the church in Europe. The status of the church in Europe. Uh, and this is what, the, what uh, he was quoting the Wall Street Journal article, and this is what that said. 
Two dozen scruffy skateboarders launched perilous jumps in a soaring old church building here on a recent night, watched over by a mosaic likeness of Jesus and a solemn array of stone saints. This is the Arnhem Skate Hall, an uneasy reincarnation of the Church of St. Joseph, which once rang with prayers of nearly 1,000 worshipers. It's one of hundreds of churches closed or threatening or threatened by plunging membership that pose a question for communities and even governments across West, Western Europe. What to do with once holy, now empty buildings that increasingly mark the countryside from Britain to Denmark? The skate hall may not last long. The once stately church is streaked with water damage and badly needs repair. The city sends the, tax, the skaters tax bills, and the Roman Catholic Church, which still owns the building, is trying to sell it at a price they can't afford. He goes on to say trends from other religions in Europe haven't matched those of Christianity. I'm not sure how they're defining Christianity, however. Orthodox Judaism, which is, a, which is prominent in Europe, has held relatively steady. Islam, meanwhile, has grown amid immigration from Muslim countries in Africa and the Middle East. The number of Muslims in Europe grew from about 4.1% of the total popu European population in 1990 to about uh, 6% in 2010. And it's projected to reach 8% or 58 million people by 2030, according to Washington's Pew Research Center. And so... There are many reasons for the decline of at least what seems to be the decline of the church in Europe. Um, many can point to secularization of Europe. You know, France, for example, boasted itself as being an atheistic nation. And now, as you read the news reports, you see that they have their hands full. Because Islam has said, you be an atheistic nation, we are going to come in in force and in a generation it's in particular, as, as secularism goes, young people are not getting married and, and opting out of having children and where uh, many Islamic families where the man may have two or three wives and multiple children in a few generations, they will simply outpopulate you and they will be able to uh, outvote you. Here is the part of the crisis is that um, France has got their hands full, but it's not just France, it's Europe. And there is a, a, a shrinking line between what is politically called um, uh, radical Islam and what is, in fact, the foundations of Islam. And I think that Islam is at a crossroads and a crisis because they are in full damage control, doing their best to say that Islam is a religion of peace. And the problem we have with that if, is if, in fact, it is a religion of peace, why do these things continue to happen? And they will continue to happen at an increasing rate as terror cells are all throughout Europe and even in our own nation. Um, and so that's part of the reason, perhaps. Europe at one time held the torch of worldwide evangelism. But today, one author said, it's our most pagan land and our greatest mission field. The Moravians who had a vision to reach the entire world with the gospel. 1741, the Dutch missionary uh, uh, agencies made it to the shores of Malaysia. William Carey, uh, uh, John and Charles Wesley, 
Um, the, the Wesleyans made it to Sierra Leone as early as 1811. Uh, Britain in particular and, and, and the Dutch and even the Netherlands carried the torch of world evangelism, but you know it's not that way anymore. And it seems like as you look at the history of missions, it seems like that that torch of world evangelism shifted to America where Americans became became the, the, the leaders in, in taking the gospel throughout the entire world. And, and the question remains is that in a in hundred years, and it's not about competition or it's not about who God is using or who isn't, but I tell you what, there's a reversal that's taking place and a shifting that's taking place where you're seeing more and more missionaries coming out of the east. Uh, we had a missionary here last year who was from Africa who said, listen, it is not anyone else's responsibility but ours in Africa to reach the northern Islamic dominated lands of Egypt. Uh, of Egypt and uh, of, of, uh, parts in, in northern Africa. He goes, that's America, that's not your call. He said, that's our call. We are Nigerians. We are born-again believers. It's our responsibility to reach our nation. I went, you preach it, brother. You preach it. And so we look at the church today. Our series is called The World in Crisis, and we're looking at the church. You're here at church. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? Really? What does it mean contextually to be a part of a church in America? Sometimes you can ask people, where do you go to church? They can tell you. Other people say, yeah, man, I go to church all the time. You ask people about their relationship with Christ, and they'll tell you about their church. And that's okay, but sometimes they don't know where it is. I go, what church you go to? Are you a second? Uh, no, first, ba- no, wait a minute, uh, church. Uh, it's over there, man. Oh, oh, okay. And where exactly is it? It's over, you know, north end. Of t- okay, okay. What does it mean to be a part of this thing? What did Jesus come to establish? I mean, you are the church of Jesus Christ. Why are we here together today? What's the point? Why are these doors open on Sunday? Why are we up early and we could just be at home getting prepped for the, for the football game or whatever, but we're here. Why? What is the point? Ah, I'm going to try to answer some of that. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul the Apostle is speaking to the church. I'll read it in two different translations. In the New Living Translation, he says, verse 18, Now all of us can, become, uh, can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Everybody say family. Verse 20, together, everybody say together. We are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I'll read it again in the Amplified Bible because the Amplified Bible amplifies it. So it says, for it is through him that we both, whether far off or near, now have an introduction or access by one Holy Spirit to the Father so that we are able to approach him. So we're able to approach God through Jesus. Verse 19 says, Therefore we are no longer outsiders, exiles, uh, migrants, and aliens excluded from the, from the rights of citizens, but now you share with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself, Uh, That's a good definition for church, God's own people consecrated and set apart for him. And you belong to God's own household. You are built up upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole structure 
is joined, and that word means bound and welded together harmoniously. Let me read it again, verse 21, Amplified Bible. In him, the whole structure, what's the structure? The church. In him, the whole church is joined, bound, welded together harmoniously, and it continues to rise, that is, grow and increase into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In Him, and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode or a, do- a dwelling pa- place of God in, by, or through the Spirit. Can you say amen? That's a mouthful right there. Let's chop it up and break it down a little bit. The church. First of all, the church are called out ones. It comes from a combination of words. Ek, which means out of. Klesis, which means a calling. Kaleo, to call those who are called out of. It was used among the Greeks for a body of citizens that were gathered together to discuss maybe the affairs of the state in Acts chapter 19, verse 39. In the Septuagint, it's used to designate the gathering of Israel summoned for any definite purpose or a gathering regarded as representative of the whole nation. So it could mean the whole nation or it could mean specific individuals. Jesus said, I will build my church. Um, and uh, the, the church is also described as, as a body. So, so the church are those who were called out and called to called out from the world, called out of darkness, and called to relationship with Christ. And so this scripture in Ephesians says, we have been introduced by the Father. The church are those who have been introduced to the Father. Have you met the Father? Because here's the thing, you cannot meet the Father if you do not know the Son, because you meet the Father through the Son. You can't skip Jesus to get to God. We have been introduced to the Father. One person, Clark, said this, this text is a plain proof of the Holy Trinity Jews and Gentiles are to be, to be presented unto God the Father. The Spirit of God works in their hearts and prepares them for the presentation. Jesus Christ himself introduces them. Have you met the Father? You cannot be in the church if you have not met the Father, and if you cannot meet the Father unless you have met the Son who introduces you. And then, so we've in, been introduced to the Father. We are members of God's family. Look around you. Different cultures, different races, different ages, different people, peoples from all over. We are one family. Members of God's family. That means we are connected. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. If you're not aware of this, we need each other. All of us. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, we need one another. I had someone once say to me, I asked him about where he was fellowshipping. He goes, well, I don't really go to a church, man. He goes, I I pretty much like Charles Stanley on Sunday morning. He's like, my man. I said, that's cool. So if you're at the hospital and you need someone to come and pray for you, uh, give old old Charles a call. Let me know how that goes for you. I mean, first of all, you're not going to get Charles Stanley. (laughs) And second of all, they're going to say, brother, where are you? I'm in Las Vegas. Las Vegas? We're in Atlanta, Georgia. Why are you calling us? Don't you have a... A church that you belong to? When the, yeah, yeah, I have church every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock with Brother Charles. Y'all don't understand. Brother Charles is on cruise. All right? He's, he's, doing, he's, he's preaching on television. He's reaching the nations. No, no. Okay, maybe we can try to call one of our affiliate churches to visit you. 
You get the point? We are members of God's family. And then it says, together, we are his house. This tells us that the church is a building. Not this building. Not any building. That's not the church. In the New Testament, if you said, hey, where do you go to church? They would have said, where do we? No, no, no. We, we don't go to church. We are the church. The church is not something we attend. It's something that we are. There's a distinction between. When you say, where do you go to? Do you mean, when do I meet with my brothers and sisters? Yes. Oh, that's a whole other question. Right? The church is a building designed by the great architect. It's not a haphazard pile of stones or wood laying around the job site. God arranges the church for his own purposes and for his own glory. So, we've been introduced to the Father. We are members of God's family. And together, we are his house. Next, we're built upon the the same foundation. The foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The word of the Lord. That's our foundation. And we have the same commander. And that's Jesus. You know, I know, different denominations, different views. We can stay up all night arguing about when Jesus Christ is going to return or whether or not you can lose your salvation or who knows what. There's a whole bucket load of things we can argue about until Jesus returns, right? And and sometimes there are people who are not followers of Christ or who don't belong to a church family who say, you Christians disagree about everything. Now, first of all, we don't disagree about everything. There are things we do disagree about. However, don't say none of us agree on uh, on anything. There's a whole lot that we agree on. But, you know, we've presented that. You guys can't agree. You guys can't even agree on what the Bible says. No, on the essentials, we do agree. Non-essentials, we'll debate that. And the rest, who cares, (laughs) right? Uh, But we do have the same commander for those who are true believers in Jesus. We have the same commander. He's the cornerstone, and that word literally means the tip of the angle. It refers to the capstone or the binding stone that holds the whole structure together. And often a royal name was inscribed on it. And in the east, the capstone or the cornerstone was considered more important than the foundation. Well, we have the same commander. And you know what? We're carefully joined, bonded, and welded together harmoniously in him. Is that a cool way to say it? We're carefully uh, joined, bonded, and welded together harmoniously. I know it doesn't always look like that. A tapestry on one side looks beautiful and shows purpose. But on the back side, it's chaos. You don't know what it is. So sometimes that's how we look. But the Lord is doing something, and he's painting something, and he's welding us together. Not only that, we're being built up into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary, dedicated, consecrated, sacred, to the present in the in the presence of Lord, a place where God dwells. A place where God dwells. A place where God dwells, and it's not the building. See, years ago we had a little outreach over to how many of you know where Carry Arms? Carry Arms, anybody remember that? 
Buena Vista Springs. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Some of y'all old folks from the, on the west side. No, no, no. The west side is not the west side, but that's what we call it. And um, it used to be the west side like 50 years ago. Uh, and so we had a lot of outreach, kind of sidewalk Sunday school. We had kids. You know, we were going and ministering to the kids once a month. And it, it, was, it was a good thing. It really was. Uh, you, couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't leave a quarter in your car because they steal it. But anyway, that was a whole other issue. What happened to my quarter? Man, you. <laughs> anyway. You, so we, we, brought, we brought some of the kids. Uh, we, we did a vacation Bible school. Okay, not a good idea. <laughs> I, you know, we learned not a good idea. You want to do a vacation Bible school in the neighborhood, do it at the neighborhood, okay? Which is fine. You get more kids anyway. Uh, but, but we brought all these kids to the church. We thought, yeah, vacation Bible school. And you know how it is like when children don't have any place to go and their parents may not even care. Not all, but many just like whatever. So, so the first day we picked up like 15. The second day we picked up like 32. And, then, and it, was, it, was, it was getting to the point where there were more of those kids than church kids. You know what I'm saying? And, and so anyway, we had praise and worship. And, and, you know, children are, you know, children are children. And we had praise and worship. And, and you know, and, you know, I mean, like, the, the kids was getting into it. Then they started dancing. And they were having a good time. And, you know, and they weren't being, like, nasty, provocative. They were just, like, doing, hey, Jesus. And they was like, yeah. And I had someone behind me who got violently angry. What are you doing? I go, what? She goes, we can't have this in the church. I go, have what? This kind of dancing. I said, what are you talking about? They're just having a good time. They're, I mean, they're in church. What is your problem? What problem is we can't have this in the church. And I thought, oh, my gosh, get born again, lady. I'm not concerned about these kids dancing. I'm concerned about their, their salvation. Right? But, but here's the point. Here's the point. She made the mistake of thinking that the building was holy and that the people weren't. She made that mistake. No, it's just a building. This could be a park. This, you know, for, Lord, may it not be. I'm not ready for park ministry yet on Sunday. And all 12 of us said amen. Amen. All right, brother. See you next week. Yeah, man, it's too cold. I'll see you in the spring, brother. Darn it. But, but she made the mistake of thinking that this was, was something special about this. And the only thing that made it special were there were special people who were gathered together. See the difference? See? See? Don't come in the church looking like that. Woo! So we expect people to act like they're born again before they are and to look like they're born again before they are? saying ah, the place where God lives not the building you see the difference big difference Adam Clark explained how God's work in the church gave glory to the wisdom power and love of God he said this there's nothing as noble as the church seeing that it is the temple of God there's nothing so worthy of reverence seeing God dwells in it there's nothing so ancient since the patriarchs and prophets worked uh, to, uh, uh, to build it. Uh, there's nothing so solid since Jesus Christ is the foundation of it. 
There's nothing so high since it reaches as high as the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's nothing, nothing so perfect and well-proportioned since the Holy Spirit is the architect. There's nothing more beautiful because it is ordained with building stones of every age, every place, every people, from the highest kings to the lowest peasants, with the most brilliant scientists and the simplest of believers. There's nothing more spacious since it's spread over the whole earth and takes in all who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There's nothing more... Um, uh, there's nothing so divine since it is a living building animated and inhabited by the Holy Spirit. It's a good description. So we're all together, church, all of us. We're all together. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying for us, for you. Jesus is praying for you, and he says in verse 20, John 17, 20, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That would be us. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, you, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And so Jesus prays for two realities to exist in the church so that people will believe that God sent him. Two realities in the church so that people will believe that God sent him. Number one, that the church would be one in him. And number two, that the church would experience perfect unity. Uh, that, that the church will be one, united, and that the church will, ex, uh, will experience perfect unity, oneness, together. Not uniformity, where we all look the same and act the same, but, but unity where there's a multiplicity that are one. There's many who are one. The scripture says, though we are many, we are one body in Christ. Well, how does that happen? Well... Here's a key word for you. You know this word. It's called koinonia. Koinonia. Not the old 80s jazz group either, although they were all believers. Some pretty serious jazz cats, by the way. Abraham Laboreal. Anyway, Alex Acuna. We'll get to that later. Koinonia. Fellowship. It means communion. It means community. It was used of a marriage contract where a husband and a wife agreed to joint participation in the necessities of life. Here's the key idea partnership, possessing things in common. There's a contrast in 2 Corinthians 6.14 where Paul says, what things does light have in koinonia with darkness? And the answer is nothing. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, a familiar scripture. You can turn there in your Bibles if you like it or in your smartphone. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over, all, came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers, and you can circle the word all every time you see it, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their, possess, their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, 
and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 3,000 people were added to the church at one time, and the result was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And those folks, they needed discipleship, and they needed koinonia. And the early church wasn't satisfied with just making converts, but they understood that was just the first part, that the real work began in making disciples. Breaking bread together, your translation might say. Meals together, followed by communion. See, there's an Eastern thought process that when you sit down and have a meal with someone, that designates togetherness, unity, oneness. Yeah? Fellowship meant much more in the Eastern context, in particular the church, than it might mean today in our technologically advanced Western culture. If there's anything we did not grasp from the East is the concept of family togetherness and unity and oneness. We, we miss that. We miss that. So the prayer of Jesus in Acts chapter 2 is coming to fruition. Church was unified, magnified, and multiplied, Warren Worsby said. They had an awesome witness to the people in Jerusalem, both by the miracles that they saw and the changed lives that they saw and the koinonia that they saw. The church wasn't satisfied coming together on Sunday. They weren't satisfied with coming together on Wednesday night. They recognized that church wasn't something that you attended for an hour plus on Sunday or Wednesday. But they saw it as something much, much more. They saw it as their entire life. They met daily, Acts 2.46. They cared daily, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. They won souls daily, Acts 2.47. They searched the scriptures daily, Acts 17, 11. And they increased in number, Acts 16, 5. Their faith was day to day, a 24-7 continuum. Because the risen Savior was a living reality to them and the Holy Spirit was working through their lives, church encompassed their whole life. I didn't say church attendance. I said church, fellowship. Koinonia, oneness, togetherness, family. All right? You with me? Okay. Is it possible to have that kind of reality, which is the biblical reality today? Is it possible to have that kind of biblical reality reality today. Well, let me finish up on the church in Europe and kind of wrap things up. <clears throat> there are now numerous evangelical churches in Holland, the author says, with large and thriving congregations. One church in Amsterdam has over 2,000 members. Such numbers were unheard of a few decades ago. And the amazing thing is many of these large and spiritually vital churches are led by migrants who have come to Holland. 
the large Amsterdam church has as its head pastor an African. Indeed, many of these big churches are led by Nigerians and Ghanaians. Missionaries and church planners from places such as South Korea, Brazil, and Uganda are doing great works for the Lord in the Netherlands and throughout Europe. Indeed, when I was staying at a youth with a mission base in Amsterdam just the other week, a large South Korean disciple training school was in full swing. So the church has gone full circle over the centuries. Europe was once a mission-sending continent, reaching out to the rest of the world. Now people from the developing world are returning the favor and re-evangelizing a very dark and secular Europe. God is still at work. Nonetheless, the article I link to here about Europe's empty churches is still so very shocking in so many ways. Seeing once great churches now becoming mere skateboard parks really does show the graphic uh, fashion just how far, in, uh, um, in graphic fashion, just how far down the gurgler the church in Europe has gone. How God must grieve over a once great land which is now so very far from him. But God has not abandoned Europe. And Christian workers from around the world are there, seeking to once again see God glorified as the gospel is shared and disciples are made. And so, here's your part, church. Here's what, here's what I believe I can say the expectation of the Lord is of you today in America in Las Vegas, Nevada, right here at 4025 North Rancho, number 102. This is God's call to you today. First of all, membership. Are you a member? Not to Living Grace Church. Are you a member of the family of Christ? That's first and foremost. Because if you're not a member, then none of this will mean anything to you. You have to be born again. You have to make a conscious decision to enter into this dynamic, growing, vital family. First, membership. I would highly suggest if you've not done that, now would be a good time. And being that we have a baptism, uh, a membership class coming up, it would be an awesome time for you to get a little bit better of an understanding of exactly who we are. Sign up with Jesus first, and I'll ask you to sign up with us. Be a member. Find out what it means to be a member. Find out what makes us tick, why we open our doors, who we are, what our vision and what our purpose, what our passion is, and how you fit into that. Membership class coming up January 25th. Sign up. Why not? We have a baptism coming up in February. Baptism is like a wedding ring. It symbolizes a relationship. It doesn't make you a part of the family, it symbolizes that you are part of the family. This ring doesn't make me married, but it symbolizes that I have a wife, fine as she is. Fine as she is. I don't need a, hey, hey, hey. Of course it's only one. This ain't no, uh, you know. Uh, see, now you made me lose my thought, man. Come on. Uh, baptism does not save you, but it symbolizes the relationship. Have you been water baptized? 
Why not? What are you waiting on? If you're a member of the body of Christ, you need to be water baptized. More on that coming. February 11th, is it? 8th. Close enough. February 8th. Are you part of a small group? I don't know any other way to do it, folks. This is cool. This is our celebration. This is how we get trained up to go out and do the work of the ministry. This is a part of it, but this can't be what we're all about. Our Sunday service can't be the highlight of the week. It's a part of the week, but it can't be the highlight. The highlight needs to happen with you in intimacy with other believers. Somehow, some way, you've got to break it down. It has to be that. I mean, if we had 6,000 members, it would be so easy to come into this church and walk right out and not know anybody. People hide in big churches. People hide in small churches. Don't do that here. We won't let you. We're going to keep peppering and peppering and peppering and saying be intimate with others, be involved with others, be a part of a light group, be in a Tuesday night men's group, be in a Thursday night Bible study, be in a Friday night ladies group, be in a Thursday night men's Bible study, be in a Saturday morning Bible study for men, uh, be in a family light group, be in a couple's light group. Is your marriage in trouble? You should be in a couple's light group. Is your marriage not in trouble? You should be in a couple's light group because it's more than just about the couple. Be a part of that. Accountable relationships with another brother and sister in, in Christ are vital. Accountable relationships with another brother or sister in Christ are absolutely essential. Accountability is a strong word. You know why? Because nobody wants people in their business. Like, hey, man, I want you all in my stuff. Why? Because I like my stuff. And I really don't want anybody else to know, especially church people. Really. So Jesus died only that you could go to heaven and not that you could be link, linking arms with brothers uh, and sisters here on this earth. You missed the whole point of the gospel. Oh, heaven's a huge thing. Don't get me wrong. That's why Jesus came. But he also came so we could be united together. Who are you united with? No one? Are you kidding me? It's like, and now let's, let's start the game. Starting lineup, number 12, out you go. That's it. Where's the rest of the team? Just me, coach. <laughs> Wait, hold on, man. That's not going to work. Unless you're playing tennis, that's not going to work. Hey, you're part of a team. Where's the rest of your team? Coach, I'm all there is. I don't need nobody else. What are you talking? Go home. There's no game here. If we're not a team, there's no game. We are weak. We need accountability. We need brothers and sisters to love on us, to warn us, to rebuke us. When we slide or, or backslide, we need people there. Uh, if that's not found in the community of the church, where is it going to be found? We can't, be, we can't be okay with not being in true fellowship and true. We can't be okay with that. We can't be. That doesn't make sense at all. It, it's not tolerable anymore. We lose too many. You agree? Not really, huh? Okay. Let me go on. If we're not together in intimate relationships, there's no, there's no encouragement. How are you going to be encouraged by other brothers and sisters in Christ if you're not a part of the body? We, we, we cut off affirmation. We cut off encouragement. Uh, uh, we might be doing well in our walk with Christ. Maybe we're upheld by the grace of God. Absolutely. Uh, but when hardships and 
and, hev- and d- heavy things, disappointment comes, where do we get encouragement if we're not a part of a, of a group, of, of a body? We separate ourselves from brothers and sisters in Christ. We're separating ourselves from the comfort they can offer, the validation uh, that Christ is sufficient and the encouragement that we need. Don't separate yourself from that. Hey, here's another thing. If we're not a part of an intimate group, that keeps us from witnessing the work of the Holy Spirit through us among, among His people and experiencing Christ in the lives of other Christians. We, we, miss, we miss all of that. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, more than anything, are meant to be done in community. I mean, if I have the gift of encouragement, who am I going to encourage if I'm not a part of a group, a body? If I have the gifts of helps, who am I going to help if I'm not a part of a, a body that's, that's intimate? If I have the gift of speaking in tongues, I can speak that all day long. But what if I have the gift of interpreting tongues, but I don't go to church? Well, I ain't going to be interpreting anything. They're meant to be done in community. How many times have you seen two people who didn't get along finally come together in forgiveness because of Christ? Or other Christians finally emerging victorious over some sin that's plagued their lives if you're not in community? If you're not in community, it can't be acceptable, guys. It can't be. However old you are, however young you are, it can't be acceptable. It cannot be acceptable that you come in here on Sunday and nobody knows you. It's not acceptable to me, and it should not be acceptable to you. Because we're family. We need one another. It's vital. It's critical. It's part of who we are. It's one of our core values. Koinonia, family, and multiplication. That's how serious we are about it. So I want to encourage you. If you've not become a member of Living Grace, sign up. There's a sign-up out there. Do it before you walk out. If you've not been baptized, do it. It'll be in a jacuzzi. It'll be warm. We'll have towels to warm you right after. Don't worry. We're not going out to Lake Mead. I'm going to do that. Next time I go out to Lake Mead and it's that cold, we're in a wetsuit. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> like, here for the baptism. Woo-hoo-hoo. What do you got on? I got on a wetsuit. What do you got on? I'm going to be warm. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> Have the hoodie on and everything. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, man. I'm done. You get it? So let's, uh, let's pray. If I can have the ushers come on up, we're going to take our tithes and offerings as well. And, um, you know, Wednesday night we had two people who came to faith in Christ. It was our prayer night. It wasn't really expected, but Jesse, it was on his heart. And there are two people who entered into the family of Christ. How cool is that? How cool is that? That's just the beginning for us. Christ has been at work from eternity past. That was just the beginning for them. Okay? Um, So, Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, that um, that you are here with us. And, Lord, help this message to burn in our hearts. This is our identity. It's who we are. We don't want to be the Western church that's all isolated and doesn't know one another. And like, I don't, no, man, I just go there on Sunday. That's all I do. No, no, we don't want that, Lord. We want to love one another from the heart. And I know that's not easy. 
because there are certain people that just rub you the wrong way, just like we rub people the wrong way. But, Lord, you, you call us to move beyond those petty things and to truly deeply care about one another. But, Lord, help us to build that foundation. And for anyone here that maybe has never experienced the love of Jesus and, and, and you would say in your heart, man, I need that. I need that kind of community and I need that kind of God. You know, your, 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 your heavenly Father is, is right. He's there with you. He is, he is not distant. Cry out to him. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to, to adopt you as his child. Ask him to draw you near to him. He will. He will. That prayer is already in your heart. You just need to verbalize it to the Lord. You need to, to speak to your father. He already knows your heart. I would encourage you do that even right now. Say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to walk. Walk this walk. Help me to be your child.